0: His balls? Good job. It's too bad they're gone. I never would have believed it if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes. <laughs>
1: Good morning, everybody. This is Rejolan from the Page to Pixel podcast. We are starting an early episode this morning uh, just because of our schedules and everything else like that. So I'm here with my dear boy, Jeremy, and we are going to be closing out the Elder Scrolls series that we started. I don't know how many months ago, but uh, we're finally kind of concluding with um, Skyrim and the Elder Scrolls Online. So how's things going for you up north there, Jeremy? You sound a little snuffly.
0: Uh, yeah, all in firewood and uh it was cold and now I'm sick.
1: So you would have some, you, some you, basic
0: mathematics for you. <laughs>
1: so you would but you, would've, you would've, uh, would Skyrim. have you would have uh fit in Skyrim. You oh my god. You would have <laughs> you would have uh fit in in like one of the areas in Skyrim where they're just chopping wood like in well, just stand yeah, there and they chop the, wood until, you
0: know. The issue was I was just wearing the like that dinner plate with the straps, that yes. armor that you see in Skyrim all the time, and that's probably why I was sick.
1: I don't think that that would be a very good set of armor to wear because a, it's not much protection, and then it's just a strap of fur with like a giant metal plate on it that would like freeze your nipples. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, but would you really want to fight a guy that's in Skyrim just wearing a dinner plate and leather? I mean,
1: now I'm getting a little turned on, but that's <laughs> that's another story. I'd, I'd
0: fight him with my lips, maybe
1: fight him with my lips correct so yes we're talking about skyrim and we're talking about the elder scrolls online um now that i've kind of done research on elder scrolls online i kind of am thinking about this in the terms of the podcast and i realize it's not like a numbered entry and we've only stuck with a numbered entries so you know we would only be doing arena daggerfall morrowind oblivion uh in skyrim but i think just because the elder scrolls online is like the only thing they have out right now it's worthwhile talking about and it's interesting I was looking at the plot points because, you know, MMOs, you know, they don't, it's weird. With MMOs, they typically have a pretty open world, but the individual depth of things isn't necessarily as deep as something like an individual action RPG. Like if you play World of Warcraft, for example, yeah, it has a lot of deep lore because it's 20 some years old now. But I don't know, it just, it doesn't have the necessary immersive depth that individual RPGs have. I don't know if you have a similar opinion or what.
0: I played it for, like, 15 minutes. Okay. I, I, like I, I know I mentioned this before, but I'm just not an MMO guy.
1: Right. I know you've, you've played, like, Guild Wars and stuff before for a decent bit, and, like, Neverwinter. Yeah, I do
0: like I do like Guild Wars, and, yeah, Neverwinter was okay. But for the most part, like, I think the thing I liked about Guild Wars is that I could just play it alone.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the thing that I've kind of discovered it with MMOs in my mid-30s now is that I... You know, in my teenage years and stuff, I was playing WoW all the time. It was one of the only games I would play, and now I just don't have time for it. Like, it's it's such a commitment a lot of times, and MMOs, like, they just... And we'll talk about this when we get to The Elder Scrolls Online, but it just kind of feels like a theme park. It doesn't feel truly immersive immersive like an action rpg like the witcher like skyrim like i don't anything really but
0: as a 15 minute master
1: of Elder scrolls online
0: i would concur with that
1: okay but that being said (laughs) um let's jump into skyrim which jeremy's going to be largely taking the mantle on um so let's just i guess to start sort of talk about our experiences with skyrim i mean i know it's it's something that we both have played ad nauseum so um Let's just announce Skyrim here. So, this is my trivia question for you, Jeremy. How many platforms is Skyrim on? Let's see. PC.
0: Mm hmm. Um, Xbox 360, PS3. Yep. PS4. Xbox yep. One. Yep. Uh, Switch.
1: Mm hmm. Yep. Yeah, so,
0: do you, do you count that one crazy person that was
1: able to get it on a smart fridge? Um,. No, okay. it is it is eight. Yes, that is on eight platforms. I was at six. So, <clears throat> it what is it? Yeah, so it's PC, PS3, Xbox 360, PS4, Xbox One, and then like the anniversary editions are like you know they I guess they count for PS5 and stuff too. But you know it's yeah eight oh, okay. eight different platforms it is available on. I believe I own them on every platform but Switch. I've played it on Switch and it's pretty solid, but I don't actually own it on Switch because it never drops in price. But once it is actually uh, available, I will. You know, if it's cheaper, I will buy it because I'm. You I'm... don't want
0: to buy it at full price for the tenth time.
1: <sighs> exactly. Um, but it was released. I significantly. This is like one of the only video game release dates I remember. It was 11-11 of two thousand eleven. Um, and subsequently, it's been out for again. It's it's almost going to be. It'll be what eleven years yeah. this month, this next month, so. Originally it was released 11 11 11. Then the special edition came out October 27th of 2016. Um, and I believe the special edition just included all of the DLC which is the Dawn Guard and what was the other one? What's the one? Uh, with- uh, Hearthfire?
0: Hearth, Hearth, yeah, Hearthfire and Dragonborn.
1: Yeah, the Dragonborn where you go back to uh Vardenfell and fight like the dragon priest guy. Yes. And- Yep. So, and then last year to commemorate the 10 year anniversary, they released the anniversary edition, which includes all of the subsequent um, DLC, but also some like I don't know, like some Bethesda approved fan mods that they've just included in the base game. I'm I'm wondering if they just gave them like pennies or like free T-shirts for their mods to be used in these full price games. Um, I know it's a big controversy. Like in the last month or so. Uh, the anniversary edition of Skyrim, finally released on Switch, and it's $70. <laughs> so, so people... Are, so it's like... Yeah, this is a 12-year-old... or 11-year-old game, and it's, like, still charging so much money. But, um... It's,
0: it has to be one of the most widely, like, like re-released mm-hmm. games at this point.
1: I, yeah, other than, like, Tetris? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of, like, hard... Like, quote-unquote hard... AAA modern titles. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> so, um... My own experiences with Skyrim, um, I'll I'll kind of even go on record and say this, like, I think a lot of what made us become friends was our anticipation for this game, because we were both started working at Best Buy at the, around the same time, and, you know, we kind of built this early friendship based upon our, our love of video games and nerdy stuff and stuff like that, but I remember you and I just getting so hyped for this game when it actually originally came out.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you work the midnight release with me, or?
1: Yeah, I believe I yeah, did. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, we, had, we only had like four or five of those. I remember like the Gears of War one. Like <laughs> There's like three people that, three showed, people up that Gears, showed up for Gears. Yeah. God, I kind of miss midnight releases because that's like such a thing in the past. I don't think like, because you know, everything can be digital now and it's almost kind of convenient to just buy it digitally because then you don't have to swap out discs because I'm lazy right. and I want to sit on my couch. But uh, yeah, I, I, I distinctly remember this coming out and just like the hype was it. You know, I think I took a couple of days off of work and school to actually play this and I don't yeah, really I did do the that. Same. Yeah. But yeah, my experience with Skyrim, I mean, it really was, um, when it came out, what is this, like five, five six years after Oblivion had come out, and I, you know, I loved Mormon and Oblivion, so I had really high expectations for Skyrim, and it didn't disappoint. You know, I really enjoyed playing it, I loved the world, um, the soundtrack is phenomenal, like always. Um, I actually remember, kind of as a side note, um, in the anticipation for this game coming out, um, I was reading up all the articles that I could on Skyrim and I remember having a dream one night about how the game would start you'd start in a as a prisoner being transported somewhere and your cart would fall off of a cliff and then like you'd be rescued or something and that's almost...
0: Like that's pretty close, yeah. That's
1: pretty close to actually what happens. Like, yeah, you 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 are about to be executed, but like, I still remember that. Like, and it was maybe a month or two before the game came out. Prophecy. Prophecy. There's a lot of prophecy in the Skyrim games, as we know. Uh, but yeah, I love Skyrim. Um, I, I I I'll let you talk because I'm I'm sure once we. Yeah, weekend, no, you're good. Ex- <laughs> Go for um,
0: it. I remember being yeah re- really hype when it came out and loving it a lot while I was playing it. Um. I remember to get like really into it because obviously it came out in fall. I would just like crack my windows so I could feel the breeze and she'd be like, "Oh yeah, this is great. Yeah, this is great, dude.
1: Great right, dude." And like you smell it, um, you just smell foul odors in the air.
0: Right. Um. I think it's got a little bit le- uh, less replayability for me than say Oblivion. Um. It's a little bit more basic for console. But yeah,
1: yeah, I, I think so too. Um, I don't know, yes and no, because there's, like, sometimes where I'm like, is it really that good, and then I go back and play it, I'm like, yes it is, but then, like, it's kind of like a, I don't want to say love-hate relationship, but it's, like, an up-and-down relationship for sure.
0: Yeah, I I would say there's some some missed potential, but I understand why to kind of bring, make it easier on people playing with controllers and and that sort of thing.
1: Right, yeah, and it it, it was another one of those games that was very successful on console and PC, Mm -hmm. um... The PC version, obviously, I think is most people kind of consider better because you did have the addition of mods, and eventually they kind of caught, you know, Bethesda kind of caught wind of that and had their own, what is it called, the Creation Club. And now even on the, the uh, console versions of the game, you can download fan-generated mods and content um, into your Red, game directly. Right
0: through the actual game itself,
1: yeah. Right, which is super, super handy. So whenever I play a new game, like I have one on my PS5 right now that I've been playing on and off for a couple of months now, and it's, it's fun just to sort of see what sort of mods you can do. It, it, it disables achievements, but again, I've had all of those achievements for 10 years. So um, that being said, I mean, we both really like this game, but there's a few foibles that we have with it. But um, that being said, do we want to have you jump into uh, what this game's all about? Are we going to do yep. that? All right, yep. so let's um, do that.
0: We're going to take a quick coffee break, though.
1: Coffee break. Okay. All right.
0: So to start with Skyrim, let's kind of just set the uh, the stage here. Let's see. It takes place... I, lost
1: it. I think it was 200 years after Oblivion. Does that sound about right? That does sound... Actually, yeah. I have a I have a timeline that I actually have in my notes here. It takes place... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Oblivion, as we mentioned in the last episode, it sort of ushers in the end of the third era and the beginning of the fourth era. Right. Um, and so, yes, it does take place 200 years after um, the events of Oblivion. Yes.
0: And so if we remember from the end of the Oblivion, the Tiber Septum line has been sort of broken. So there's a couple things going on in the background of Skyrim that aren't necessarily pertaining to the whole dragon storyline, but they're still kind of important to kind of tie some characters in. So we have the Stormcloak Rebellion, uh which Reed, do you remember those fun missions?
1: Yeah, I I've every time I've played the game, I always typically side with the Stormcloaks. I just feel like the Imperials are a bit too fascist. But I think on my current PlayStation um, five playthrough that I've been talking about, I think I'm actually gonna go the Imperial route. I just don't know I like it's typically when you're in like the native land of a person typically you want
0: them to be free
1: right yeah yeah. it's because it's, it, like the whole idea behind the Imperials and Skyrim is they're trying since the since the Empire's kind of crumbling they still want to maintain control of it.
0: But yes, and they're slowly losing that, um, right. which then also ties in the uh, Thalmor. So the Thalmor are basically the governing council of the uh, the third and current Aldmeri Dominion, mm-hmm. um, which is basically the group of elves. And their whole goal is to seek the eradication of the worship of Talos and the Empire because... Oh uh, man, what was it? The that big metal construct that just like killed oh, them all yeah, yeah, way yeah. back in like the first episode we did. Yeah. So they're still salty about that as elves are. Yeah. Um, And so they can kind of best be described as like racist elf supremacists.
1: Yes. And they want to eliminate Talos and Talos was yes. like the ninth divine that represented like the humankind. Uriel Sept or Typer sept- Yeah. He became one of God the septums. Can- yes. It's been a bit. I think it's, I think it is Typer septum the first.
0: Yeah, um, but essentially, kind of the things going on in the background there is, which might actually help you side with the Empire, but if Skyrim does gain its independence, it it does make it easier for the Thalmor to kind of divide and conquer all these other areas. So, even though the Empire is bad, they do still have kind of a good intentions for people that are
1: non-elven, at least. But are the thalmor and the imperials working together during this conflict? No or no cuz they're kind of cuz the thalmor's kind of in the background of all of this. Like they this, are,
0: but they're also like you don't like they're not great for humans or Khajiit or Argonian.
1: Right. I remember. You're, every, you're
0: you're stuck in between sort of two evils, I guess you could say.
1: Right. And yeah, I always knew that the thalmor were a bit more intimidating and it, yeah, like you said kind of like supremacist, racist sort of you know, inclinations
0: right um and then just a couple of main characters so the stormcloak rebellion is led by ulfric stormcloak he is one of the jarls and then um the Greybeards. so the graybeards are an order of recluse followers of the voice and the study of the power of the thum and that is essentially an oral form of magic that uses the draconic language to form shouts and the dragon i'm sorry the the graybeards Dedicate their lives to learning these, but there is a fabled dragonborn who has the innate ability to learn these, just like learning a normal language, mm-hmm. and use the power um, much easier than someone that would have to dedicate their entire life to studying it just to learn a few words.
1: So, first thing, I'm, I'm still transfixed on the words oral magic, but secondly, <laughs> uh, but secondly, um, so for the dragonborn, do you know offhand if it's like just like one person, or can like multiple people become dragonborn? Um, I, as far as at one
0: time that I'm not sure if multiple can be born at one time, but I do know there are multiple dragonborns in the actual dragonborn expansion. Mm-hmm. You go to soul's time. No. Yeah. So Solstheim. Yeah, Solstheim, yeah, Solstheim. And fight, um, the first dragonborn because he turns out to have gone like corrupted and, and evil.
1: Yep.
0: Um, but yeah, so there can be multiple throughout history. I don't know about like, I guess technically there can be two at one time.
1: If well, you and go two, and fight one, but and two, like when you're in the tombs and stuff in Skyrim, when you fight like the Draugr overlords, they all can do some of the voice too. So maybe it is something that's like. So rare, a lot of the
0: Nords can actually learn the voice too.
1: Oh, but it's not like full on Dragonborn.
0: Yeah. So the thing with the, so the Dragonborn is born immortal, but has like the soul of a dragon. Oh, okay. And so they can they can absorb the souls of dragons and learn the voice easier. Because, um, actually, if you side with the Imperials and defeat Ulfric Stormcloak in that final confrontation, he will actually use Shouts Against You.
1: Ah, got it. So And that's, and that's why, at the beginning of the game, he has his mouth gagged, because he, he has that power.
0: Yep. And that's, like, because, like, the Greybeards also, they're not necessarily Dragonborn. They just dedicate their life to learning it. So, like, you know... Ulfric Stormcloak could maybe learn, like, spent five years learning a couple of phrases, but the true Dragonborn just picks it up, you know, like, immediately, essentially.
1: Right. And just to kind of take a step back, the whole area that this game takes place in, like, the majority of the game, is Skyrim. And it's obviously very heavily inspired by Viking culture and Viking mythos and names, obviously, Ulfric. Um, so I think that was one thing that was, it was very 2011, 2012.
0: Oh yeah, well the Viking show was in big stride.
1: Yep, like the different types of music and stuff, like the band I saw last night, Wardruna, were kind of coming up. So like the, the revival of like Viking, um, fandom, I guess you could say was really...
0: Neo-Vikingism?
1: Neo-Vikingism, yeah, was really at its peak, you know, every, every white guy with one quarter... Uh, Swedish ancestry, shaving the sides of his head. I'm not talking about myself at all, but um, and just and just larping uh, Vikings, which is fine. Um, I, I think it's a really cool environment altogether. Um, I think the entire environment is just beautiful. I mean, even now, like going to the mountains and stuff like that, and just kind of seeing the scope and scale of everything. I think the one issue that I kind of had progressively as the game developed is that a lot of the dungeons and stuff they just kind of blur together.
0: The dungeons are very samey, which I think is true about a lot of the Elder Scrolls games, though.
1: Well, especially, I'd say Oblivion, too. Oblivion yeah. is... Morrowind is just like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> but but the thing is, like, every single uh, Skyrim dungeon has the same sort of ideas. It has, like, spooky spiders, and then it has the Draugr, and then mm-hmm. it has an oil trap, and then it has, of course, uh, at the end of it, it has the the word wall where you can learn the voice, a, a chunk Ooh. of the voice. Yeah, uh. yeah, exactly. And, um, and then it has, of course, a very handy mechanism to just get you to the front of it again, you know? Um,
0: that, I, I will say, that is really convenient that you just go back to the front. It was annoying going through a dungeon, like, backtracking to try to figure out how to get out.
1: Yeah, I think when it back back when it uh, originally came out, I was a little frustrated by it, but now that I'm an uh, old curmudgeon... Um,
0: yeah, you're just like, I got shit to do, man. I, I can't yeah, be walking exactly. through this dungeon again. Exactly.
1: But yeah, a lot of it is a lot of the enemies, a lot of the uh, environments are steeped in like Norse mythology, like the Draugr, which is a type of like Norse undead in Norse Viking yeah. like pirate ghost, Viking zombie, zombie. yeah. So uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, in terms of in terms of that. But what is like so you 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 start the game, um, and again you're on the cart and like the whole meme of you're finally awake, um, and you start off and you're freed. Um, because Alduin, the what is it, the World Eater or something like that? He, that is correct. Yes. He he shows up and he kind of like breaks up the party. <laughs> and-
0: <laughs> yeah, He he kind of is a buzzkill.
1: And from that point, um, can you tell us a little bit more about the single singular plot of the game?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me just get over to that
1: yeah you're, you're you're supposed to be taking the skyrim and i'm just talking the whole time like
0: <laughs> no well i just uh i wanted to just go over those things first because yeah, the yes. singular plot sure. is just a little bit more condensed here uh, sure
1: yeah
0: all right so yeah so the as far as the plot of skyrim goes as reed said yes you you begin in a cart uh you and Ulfric stormcloak uh have been captured i uh, i believe your character was Entering Skyrim's borders illegally and was thought to be a part of this rebel group. So we've been Mm -hmm. captured by the Imperials and are being prepared to be executed. When uh, all of a sudden, Alduin appears, attacking the Imperial outpost and thus rescuing the player and Ulfric Stormcloak and the remaining rebels. Uh, After running through the city, dodging Alduin's fire breath and, and everything, the player eventually escapes and will shortly after that make their way to... So, the player escapes and warns Jarl Bolgriff of Whiterun of the impending dragon attack. After running a few quests for the Jarl, another dragon shows up in Whiterun and begins to attack. As the dragonborn steps in and helps defeat that dragon, the other uh, members of that war party notice that he is absorbing that dragon's soul. And it dawns on them that he is the fabled Dragonborn. So that is when you will start to gain the powers of the voice. Um, at that point, the Greybeards summon the Dragonborn. <laughs> the Dragonborn. <bone. laughs> no, we're, keep, we're keeping it. We're, we're keeping it. I'm yeah. not editing The Dragonborn. Hey, girl. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the Greybeards summon the Dragonborn to the throat of the world, which is where their sort of uh, hall is. And the Dragonborn begins to train in the way of the voice.
1: Mm, so you put the dragon bone goes in the throat, okay. Yeah, the dragon bone does go in the throat of the world. Ooh. Uh, yeah, and what... So what sort of... Yes, I remember this. Climbing up that big mountain, fighting the frost troll. And um, like
0: that one cougar that just two hits you.
1: Yes. Uh, and then once you talk with the um, the priests up there, what do they kind of do?
0: So they teach you the, the voice, and they have you go get something...
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fetch quests. Yeah, yeah,
0: like, in between major major plot beats, it's mostly just fetch quests, and that's why we kind of yada yadded some of the other stories.
1: So, and then what's the culmination of the event here to, to like, rid the world of Alduin?
0: Are you quizzing me, or are you asking me?
1: I'm both. I'm trying to remember myself.
0: Well... So, as you get intercepted. I, I can read this next plot bit, which will explain that. Okay, yes, go ahead. But essentially, yeah, the one thing with Alduin, well, since we're on him, is he's back, and his whole, like, being of existence is just to destroy the world. Okay. Like, his point, his purpose of being alive is to just destroy the world. Like, generic bad guy. Um, So... Well, the Dragonborn is just kind of fiddling around Skyrim. He is intercepted by a person named Delphine and mm-hmm. it turns out she is the last of the blades. so she is acting as the Grandmaster of the blades. Yep. and you Dragonborn does some que- fetch quests for her, but when she, he finally gains or when she finally starts to trust them. she sends the Dragonborn on a quest to infiltrate the Thalmor Embassy in solitude. On the mistaken suspicion that the Thalmor embassy is responsible for the dragon attacks, there they learn that Espen, a Blades' lore master obsessed with the prophecy of Alduin's return, is alive and hiding in Riften. The Dragonborn rescues Espen from Thalmor agents, and he leads them to an ancient blade temple and a massive engraving, engraved depiction of Alduin's prior defeat. Espen deciphers that the ancient Nords used a special shout to remove Alduin's ability to fly and render him vulnerable. Do you remember that bit? Yeah, yeah, it okay. was like
1: the yeah, you like neutralize him.
0: Yep. So after learning of this ancient shout, the Dragonborn returns to Arngeir, who informs him that he does not know the shout, not know the shout, but knows that it's called Dragonrend and that it violates the way of the voice. Angir sends the Dragonborn to Parthanax at the summit of the throat. Parthanax is who is a massive dragon, but a good guy dragon. So, good boy. It's okay. He's a good boy. He's a good yeah good boy. Uh, Parthanax reveals that no one living knows Dragonrend, but theorizes that the Dragonborn could learn it by looking through time at the summit, the site of Alduin's original banishment. To do this, the Dragonborn retrieves the Elder Scroll used in the Banishment from a massive subterranean Dwemer city. The Dragonborn returns to the summit and learns Dragonrend. Alduin attacks, the Dragonborn uses Dragonrend, and together with Parthinax, overpower Alduin, who flees.
1: So, just to kind of pause for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, a little trivia about Parthinax, the other like Elder Dragon that defeated Alduin. Do you know who voiced him? No. It was Charles Martinet who did the voice of Mario. <laughs> its me, a part of the next.
0: <laughs> yep. um, anyway. And I don't know if we mentioned this originally, but obviously Alduin was a dragon that was banished a long time ago and came back. I don't, yep. I don't know if we talked about the dragons, but anyways. So the last little bit here. <clears throat> so the dragonborn and his allies hatch a plan to capture a dragon at Whiterun. The dragon, born helps negotiate a truce in the Civil War to prevent either side from capturing Whiterun during this delicate operation. The captured dragon, Odhavig, questions a- whether Alduin deserves lordship over dragons. He reveals that Alduin has gone to recover his strength in Sovngarde, the Nord afterlife, where he feeds on the souls of the dead. Since the portal to Sovngarde cannot be reached on foot, Odhavig bargains his freedom in exchange for flying the dragonborn there uh it's a very never-ending story yes entering Sovngarde, the dragonborn meets three heroes who defeated alduin originally and with their help the dragonborn kills alduin and returns to skyrim
1: and that's like the main story of skyrim i remember that that um you just mentioned the negotiating the peace treaty between the legion and the stormcloaks and i remember just being a little frustrated by that it's like okay Got to do this. Got to do this. Like you're 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 gaining steam on like towards the end of the game. It's like nope. You got to stop and uh, broach the peace between the Legion and the Stormcloaks. It's like eh. Anyway, uh,
0: I would say the plot of Skyrim, going back and just reassessing it, is definitely the weakest point of this game.
1: Yeah, I mean and. <laughs> for for me i, I was I was sometimes frustrated whenever the dragons would pop in so like on my you most you're taking recent... a deuce and all of a sudden here comes a dragon right so on my most recent playthrough that i'm playing right now i stop doing the main quest right when i get to white run and then i go do everything else mm-hmm. because if you don't initiate the first dragon at the western watchtower they never show up so you can do everything in the game without dragons and ancient dragons popping in and ruining your day Granted, you know, I would always kill him. It's just kind of more of an inconvenience than um, It's slightly annoying. Slightly annoying, right? It's like having children. Um, <laughs> you know, same thing. Dragons, children, same thing. Um, but yeah, that is I, that is the major plot points. I, I always thought it was cool when you went to Sovngarde. I thought that was a cool final mm-hmm. act. I wish you could explore that a little bit more. Um, I remember, I believe it's... I don't know if it's, was it was in Sovngarde or is it if it's towards the end of the... Um, the other quest line where you're in Solstheim, the DLC, where you actually meet the guy Jube on from Morrowind who's on the boat with you. He became like the Cliff Racer Slayer, and he eradicated all the Cliff Racers in Tamriel. And like, he, you can like talk with his spirit, and it's like such a cool throwback. I was like freaking out when I saw that. But it must um,
0: be in that must be in the DLC. I'm trying oh yeah, to yeah I think I now. think you're
1: right. Yeah, I think <clears> you're <throat> right. Um, but yeah, that's. Do we want to talk about the the two DLCs?
0: Quick, yeah, we can briefly go over the. So the, there is technically three, but hard. Hearth, uh, so Hearthfire is pretty much just family simulator. You yeah, can build the a Sims, house. Yeah. Um, so then there is Dawn Guard. Yep. Uh, and that one introduces a secret council of vampires who is plotting to block out the sun. Mm-hmm. And basically, you can either join them or join the dawn guard which is a group of vampire hunters and
1: which is very fitting for our next series uh yeah i'm i am uh, i on my recent playthrough i've for the first time joined the actual vampires because i just want to try out some of the vampire lord abilities
0: yeah they're um, cool i remember being being cool
1: yeah, but like every time, like the werewolf option is there because like vampirism has been in most of the Elder Scrolls games, right? But I think this one's probably the most playable because I think the other games are a lot more um, restrictive in terms of like being out in the sun and having to feed. Mm-hmm. I think being a vampire in this game is a lot easier than the other games. But I, I I think out of the the well, we'll talk about the second one. I think the the Dawn Guard is probably my favorite of the expansions. Um, but anyway, it adds crossbows does but what's the what's the next major plot one
0: uh the next major plot one is is the dragonborn one so that basically it revolves around the player's efforts to defeat Myrak, the yes. first dragonborn who has been come corrupted and seeks to control the world um but that one takes you to Solstheim so if you uh if you haven't been looking at Elder Scrolls content for the past three months and don't know where everything is Solstheim is a tiny island off of Morrowind um, so it's been saved from the massive volcano explosion.
1: Mm-hmm. And it was so uh, it was oh, really sorry. cool. Go, no, it was really cool going back to it because like you step into Souls Time and it's like the same music as Morrowind. It's super yep. super cool. Um, and that content allows players to rise on the backs of dragons. Ooh, so I mean, yes. who doesn't want to do that? Or if you're using mods, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage or Thomas the Tank Engine. So <laughs> depending on your own flavor of how you want the game to be played. But yeah, that's that's Skyrim for the most part. I mean, obviously there's like mage guild quests and there's oh, not right, the, right. that's not the fighter's guild. What is it called again? Is it like something? The Brother- Brotherhood. The Brotherhood. Yeah, where you can you have the ability at the end to.
0: And I think they're uh, the ones that are the secret werewolves,
1: right? Yes, they are the secret yeah. werewolves. Um, and there's the 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 College of Winterhold, which is kind of like Harry Potter guild. based. Yeah, yeah, it's Harry Potter. And then there's the the College of in Solitude. I don't remember ever doing that. Like the Bard College. I never
0: did the Bard's College.
1: Yeah, I've never done that either, so maybe I should actually kind of focus on that. I thought it was fake. thought it was fake.
0: Uh, Then there's the Assassin's Guild.
1: Yes, the Assassin's (laughs) Guild and the Thieves Guild. The Thieves Guild's always good, too. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually going to look up the Bard College really quick since we're on air and kind of see what that's all about, because it's one of those things where I never really wanted to kind of... I don't know, like, I always wanted to kind of do other things. So the Bard's College is, what is this all? It's a faction that appears in Skyrim, yep. Um, Joining the, yep. So what's the whole point of it, though? Becoming a better. Maybe that's where you
0: get bears playing the loot.
1: (laughs) It could be. It could be. This is why I hate video games, because it appeals to the male fantasy. Uh, It just kind of looks like it's a general guild that offers some bonuses to, like, thief, mage, and warrior skills. It doesn't seem like it's I, again. I'm sure someone listening to this is gonna be like, "That's my favorite thing." Um, well, then a, you're dumb. Then you're dumb if you like the Bard's College more than the other stuff.
0: If you like the, the Bard's College? You're a duty head.
1: I remember, isn't it the 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 the, uh, the Dark Brotherhood? Like the quest starts in that one city, and like it's a little boy trying to resurrect his mother or something.
0: Um, like it's I a little thought, boy. It's like I a little boy. I thought they were, you were like hired to murder like a bad headmistress of like an orphanage.
1: That's I think that's 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 a that's one of the um, okay. That's one of the quest lines, but I think it begins, um, Dragon Crisis. Yeah, so the Night Mother's coffin. Yeah, all that other stuff. Um, and there's that that one creepy uh, clown guy. No, uh, oh, that jester that was super annoying. Yes. Yeah, I hated him. Yeah, I was a child that ran away from the orphanage. So yeah, kind of it kind of um, focuses on like children to start, which is always a good start. It's always a good start. But it <laughs> always focuses on the children. There's there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot to do with Skyrim. I mean, it's you can play it several times. You can put hundreds, if not thousands, of hours into this game, and not see every little thing. Um, and again, even to this day, when I'm playing it, I'm always discovering new things and kind of exploring around so and uh, i think with the hearth fire expansion they added marriage and stuff too
0: and adopting kids
1: yep and uh i uh one of the mods i have in my current playthrough is you can marry anyone um so it actually opens up an additional dialogue box where it's like even if it's like a, a npc that like doesn't like you like uh, overtly to your face like hey what do you think of me <laughs> can like, i
0: marry alduin
1: i'm sure there's a mod out there i mean there's a mod for everything I just watched uh, some some video footage on YouTube of this guy playing a mod with Skyrim, and the mod was it gives you an M4 assault rifle. <laughs> so you're just, so of, of course you're just running around town shooting yeah, everybody with an M4 assault rifle. Yeah, I mean, it's like that. It's like that meme. Like this is how long the Lord of the Rings is. This is how long the Lord of the Rings is if Legolas had a sniper rifle. Like, <laughs> it's one of those things. Um, so again, give me give me some more impressions that you have of Skyrim now that it's eleven years, ten years out from the original release.
0: Um, I think it's aged fairly well. They've they've done a good job of keeping it relevant with like texture updates, mods. The new anniversary edition adds um, a I wouldn't say super survival mechanic, but like you have to stay warm and eat food. So I would say they've done a really good job of like, keeping it relevant. I think if... I think if they would have just released it and called it a day, it would still be a a really good, impactful game that, like, everyone kind of remembers, like, Oblivion or, like, Dragon Age. But the continuous content has just kept it relevant for the past 11 years.
1: And understanding that video game development is an extremely expensive process now, um, do you think that the length of time between Skyrim and its proposed sequel, um, do you think it helps or hinders its legacy? Because Morrowind and Oblivion, they came out, what, four, three, four years away from each other? A lot of the games would come out less than five years after one another, right. but this is the first time where we see 11 years. So do you think this is something where um, the legacy is kind of hurt or helped by this?
0: Of this game in particular? Yeah, yeah I would say so. Yeah, I mean...
1: Because it has become a meme, like we were saying at the beginning of the episode, where people are like, "Oh, Skyrim's on you know fridges now. It's on your smartphone. You know, it's on your watch. It's on your you know whatever." Right, I
0: mean, isn't that successful? Would, would you wouldn't you consider the Catholic Church extremely successful since there's a <laughs> Bible in every hotel room? Hey, uh, <laughs> that's true. I'm uh, just like I'm just saying like it's everywhere. That's that's a huge mark of success that uh, ten years later a game is still being released on new consoles for full
1: price seventy dollars on Switch. Yeah. Uh, I just,
0: exactly, like that's my uh, like hugely successful. I
1: just googled it just now um, to kind of see how many copies Skyrim has sold, and the last figure that they told was in 2016 how many copies they sold. It's at 30 million <laughs> in 2016, and that's you know a, a little while ago. Um, so it's uh, yes, it is popular to say the least. So I mean, I'm sure a... I'm sure it's dropped
0: off substantially since then, but
1: but those are still copies in people's hands around their systems, right? right. You know, and and it's I think Skyrim. It's it's one of our generational games. I think it is kind of like the Pokemon of guys with neck beards. Um, you know what I mean? Hey, like I don't have a neck beard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's become such a phenomenon. It's like The Witcher Three. It's Skyrim. Right. It's you know if you just Google right now, I'm gonna do this right now. Just I'm gonna type this in and see what happens. Cool video games right now. I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna see how long it takes me to find um, a picture of Skyrim. So I hit images. Um see cool video games okay i see mass effect i see mario i see breath of the wild breath of the Wild's another one um oh, there it is like number six yeah. so it's yeah like you just type in cool video games and it's it's gonna be there it's like one of the iconic games of the last 15 years
0: but um, i think it also transcends just normal gamers too right like
1: yeah absolutely
0: i, I know people that have my sister is not a huge gamer, and I'm pretty sure she's played it. And she's like, Oh, that was a fun, that was a fun, cool game. Like, never yeah. played any of the other ones.
1: Well, and there's that one grandma Skyrim lady, um, uh, Shirley, Shirley Curry, um, who's 86 years old, who still plays it. I know that was kind of like a phenomenon thing, um, about this, like, really old lady that had never played video games before, but now she's getting to Skyrim. So I think it right. is one of those. Oh, man, she has her own Wikipedia page. But, um, <laughs> Look for your OnlyFans. Uh-oh. In 2022, Curry suffered a stroke while sleeping, forgetting many details of her experiences in gaming. No! Um, zoinks. Um. Oh, Bethesda did send her some, some flowers, so that's nice.
0: Some kind flowers.
1: Of, yeah. Um. But all things considered, I think Skyrim is just an excellent game. There are some foibles with it, but I think just the ability to kind of go in and mod it um, kind of brings some new life to it because I'm sure... You know, people that are bored of the vanilla version of the game are going to add this or that to kind of make the game. It's very much like a sandbox in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, there's some there's some issues that I do have with it in terms of, you know, just smaller things. But, you know, overall, I think it's it's probably like if I could only like Desert Island games, like five games with me, it'd probably be one of those. Just because it is such uh, a lot of replayability and stuff like that. I what agree. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So any other final um, points on Skyrim we want to make before we close the chapter on the mainline series?
0: No, I think this Elder Scrolls is kaput.
1: Cool. So that being said, that is the last of the mainline series of games, but I do want to take just a little bit of time to talk about the Elder Scrolls Online. And like Jeremy said, he's only played about 15 minutes of it. (laughs) I've probably only played maybe a dozen hours of this, both on uh, console and on PC. I did recently install it on my PC, and it's like 100 gigs, so it's like, okay, see you in a couple weeks. But, um, so Elder Scrolls Online was developed by ZeniMax, and it was published by Bethesda. I think ZeniMax is one of its, like, child companies. I think ZeniMax is owned by Bethesda. Um, so it was originally released on PC on 4.4 of 2014, so not as trendy as, you know, 11.11.11, uh, 11, 11, but still pretty good. And then it was subsequently released on consoles, Xbox, and PS4, uh, 6.9, nice, of 2015. Um, and I remember converting my PC account to the console version, and it plays pretty decently in console. But let me kind of tell you a little bit about the plot here. And that's one of the reasons why, um, again, with this whole idea of this podcast, is kind of connecting the lore of these games. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do Elder Scrolls Online with this because Elder Scrolls Online is essentially a prequel for all of the mainline series. So all of the games that we've talked about in the last few months have taken place in either the third age or with Skyrim in the fourth age. But Elder Scrolls Online takes place in the second age. So it takes place, I don't know how many hundreds if not thousands of years before, I think it's just a couple hundred years before any of the other games. So let me tell you a little bit about the plot here. Uh, and what's interesting, too, with the Elder Scrolls Online is it kind of revises some of the history of the Elder Scrolls, because when I'm looking up some of these names, like I'm, re- you're about to hear me talk about it, and you're like, wait a minute, this is just kind of like, they took a lot of the history and lore and just kind of, um, I don't know, mishmashed it around. But anyway, you're going to hear some names in here, and you're like, wait a minute, isn't that guy from this? So here we go. So, Elder Scrolls Online, the game is set on Tamriel in the second age uh, specifically the year 582, during the Interregum, which is a period of time between the assassination of the last potent Savriel Chorak and the rise of Tiber Septim, the original Septim line guy. So there's chaos and bloodshed, and there's no emperor on the ruby throne. It's essentially a, a time of chaos where a lot of different uh, parties are kind of vying for power, which is really the mainstay of a lot of the plot points of the early Elder Scrolls games. Is like, Who's the leader? Who's the leader? Anyway, several years prior, the Cyrodiilic Emperor Varen Aquilarios desired to become dragonborn in order to light the dragonfires in the Imperial City, thus legitimizing his claim to the ruby throne. The sorcerer, Manny Marco, again, that's the dude from Arena, I believe. No, not Arena, Daggerfall. Uh, He was the Lord of the Worms, remember. Uh, Was able to convince him that he knew a ritual that could accomplish this, but that it required the Amulet of Kings. Hmm, that's from uh, Oblivion. Along with the leader of the Dragon Guard, Sy Sahan, the half-giant Lyris Titanborn, and the High Chancellor of the Elder Council, Abner Tharn, they became the Five Companions. They were able to retrieve the Amulet of Kings and begin the ritual in 2E 578. At that moment, when the ritual began, Manny Marco used his dark magic to immobilize the others and reveal his true intentions. He was an agent of Molag Bal, uh, which was one of the Daedric Lords. And the ritual, in fact, destroyed the barriers between Nern, which is that other plane of existence, and Oblivion. Uh, sorry, Nern is like the, the the, like the human, elven reality. When you play the games, you're a Nern. So it breaks the barrier between um, the normal planet and Oblivion, the other alternate dimension, in an event known as the Soul Burst. Uh, this event allows Molag Ball to initiate the Plane Meld, a forceful merger of worlds. Once the ritual was complete, aftershocks were swept across every corner of Nern. Mages died or went mad, Red Mountain trembled in Morrowind, earthquakes shook Skyrim, and heavy storms devastated the coastlines of elsewhere in Valenwood. The constellation of the Serpent grew so large that it seemed to threaten every sign star at once. The Tharn family rules of Cyrodiil through Empress Regent Slivia Tharn made a pact with Manny Marco, the King of Worms, who agreed to supplement the Imperial's forces by resurrecting their soldiers, except for her father Abnur, who opposed Manny Marco. Moleg Ball is harvesting the souls of mortals for more power. The hero, which is your character, your player character, he's known as the Vestige. He is an adventurer whose soul has been taken, which allows him to return to life. So when you die in the game that's why you're allowed to kind of come back. You know, it's kind of like the plot mechanic, right? Uh, the vestiges killed by many Marco in a sacrificial ritual, and they are brought to cold Harbor, which I believe is the beginning location of elder scrolls online, uh, where they awaken to find a mysterious man known as the Prophet, who will, with the help of Lyrus Titanborn helps the vestige escape cold Harbor, freeing the Prophet but also imprisoning Lyris within the cold Harbor. Once the Vestige escapes Cold Harbor, they awaken in Tamriel, and they are let up. Po- they are let loose upon the dangerous world. So as you were kind of listening to that, you probably heard all these different names of different characters and different items and events that kind of meld together. Because Manny Marco was involved in Daggerfall, and the Amulet of Kins is involved in Oblivion. And it's interesting that they've kind of... Like, if you go online and you type in Manny Marco, it's like, did you mean the Manny Marco from... Uh, Daggerfall, or did you mean it from Elder Scrolls Online? So, like, there's different versions of the characters in Elder Scrolls. So, again, I'm not sure what the the entire plot point of that is, but it's interesting that they've kind of restructured the entire canon, in a way. I might be wrong with this, um, so if I am incorrect, please let me know in the comments below. But, um, what's interesting about Elder Scrolls Online is you're allowed to join three different factions that are kind of Political entities that are helping their regent, their proposed ruler, to become king or queen. So the first one is the Aldmeri Dominion, um, and this is the faction that is ruled. Um, they rule in Somerset Isles, Valenwood, and elsewhere. It is its capital is in Eldenroot, um, which is in the forest of Valenwood. Their faction's dominant race is the uh, High Elves. Um, and they want to make sure that the Bosmer, so the Wood Elves and the Khajiit, are also kind of affiliated with them. They are led by the Queen uh, Iron, A Y R E N N. So their main goal, this faction's goal, is to protect Tamriel from the Daedric disasters that Nern faced, uh, and spare the continent from the from the corruption of men. So they feel that, kind of preluding to what we said about the Thalmor, they believe that the the species of men are kind of like causing all of these issues and they want to kind of restart things so in their minds the short-lived race of men are not worthy to be rulers and the only solution is to kind of take the throne for themselves so these like the high elves right the elven races and then like the side races like the khajiit the uh, non-male the non-races of men um, want to kind of say hey these men they're really short-lived so we're going to essentially kind of be the the rulers here so that's the first option that you have And their motto is, very simply, for the queen. So that's the Aldmeri uh, Aldmeri Dominion. The next one that you can join um, as your character, you're given the choice when you start the game, is the Daggerfall Covenant. And their motto is, one land, one emperor. So the Daggerfall Covenant is a faction uniting the provinces of High Rock, Orsinium, and Hammerfall. Its capital is Wayres, which is a port to the Iliac Bay. So the dominant race in the Daggerfall Covenant is the Breton. So with the help of their merchant, uh, and their ability to be uh, skillful in diplomacy, the Daggerfall Covenant manages to ally with the races of Redguard and Orsimer, the orcs. Um, The faction is led by High King Emmerich. With the fall of the Imperial City, the renowned trade routes of Daggerfall Covenant races are disrupted. So with no more trade in the region, poverty and suffering spread throughout the land. So their idea is that we want an economic victory, essentially, they wanna reclaim the Ruby Throne, And return the Empire and kind of make sure that the cities of the Iliac Bay, which I believe is where Daggerfall takes place in, they essentially want everything to kind of return back to normal because of the wealth and the trade. So it's not really like a a racial thing there, it's mainly like we like money and we want to kind of make sure that everyone gets that money. So that is the Daggerfall Covenant. And then the last one for this is the Ebonheart Pact and their motto is blood for the pact. So the Ebonheart Pact, and I believe every time I made a character, I would choose the Ebenhart Pact. So the Ebenhart Pact is a faction uniting the provinces of Skyrim, Morrowind, and Blackmarsh. Its capital is Mornhold, which is situated in Morrowind. Uh, the dominant race of the Ebenhart Pact was the Nord, the Dunmer, and eventually their Argonians who joined forces along with them. Uh, the leader of the faction is High King Jorun. He, however, did not have the power over all the other provinces, so they did a moot, which is essentially like a Norse meeting, Um, was summoned a council of all allied races, and he wanted to kind of get the opinions of these other races. So his idea here is having protected Tamriel from the Akaviri, the members of the Ebonheart Pact, they believe they have earned the right as rulers because of their war ability and their ability to kind of conquest. Um, So ever since the conquest of the Nords in the first era, they've thought themselves to be superior. Um, So... Unlike the other ones, this the Ebonheart Pact is, I guess, the most military one because it's essentially all of these generally more war-focused races coming together and saying, we should be able to rule uh, Tamriel because we have the ability to do it militarily. So if Ebonheart is military victory, Daggerfall, again, is more... uh, economic-based, and the Ultimary Dominion is more racially biased. So I think that's kind of an interesting breakdown of the different factions. And what's kind of unfortunate about that is it doesn't really affect much. I think the major things it does affect in the game is PvP. And I think even now, with further expansions, it doesn't matter. Because as I said, like the Heart pack, for example, it's typically the uh, Dark Elves, the Argonians, and Nords. But I believe there's a way you can buy the ability to be any race and be in any faction, so it's not like if you start a um high elf character, you have to be in the ultimate Dominion, you can now be in any of these, which I guess makes sense if you're like when
0: i when I booted it up, I'm pretty sure that I could play like I just picked my yeah my faction like regardless of my race
1: and it doesn't really necessarily affect the main story, but it just really affects your starting zone and starting experiences. It's not like. Um, World of Warcraft, where it's like the Horde versus the Alliance, and it's very... Well, it used to be very strict, you know, we hate the other side, but now it's, you know, a little bit different. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's uh, a lot of the basic plot and summary of some of the factions involved here. Do you want to take a guess at how many expansion packs there are for Elder Scrolls Online? Just take a, just take a guess.
0: 23.
1: Ooh, very close. 24. Ooh, and... So I'm not going to go through the individual plot points of these, but I will list them. Okay, so I'm going to list the expansion packs that have come out for Elder Scrolls. Like I said, it's been out since 2014, and they've released... They release it, I think, they release one quarterly. And every now and then, they release kind of like a full-on expansion pack. A lot of it's just DLC, where it's like, you know, 20 hours of content. But then occasionally, they'll release like a bigger, fuller version of a game, where it kind of changes a lot of things. So here are the expansion packs. The first one, Imperial City. Second one, Orsinium. Third one, the Thieves' Guild. Uh, Number four is the Dark Brotherhood. Uh, Number five is the Shadows of the Hist. Uh, Number six is Morrowind, which kind of took you back to Morrowind, and that's one of the first um, major expansion packs. Next one is the Horns of Reach. Next one is the Clockwork City. Next one is the Dragon Bones. Number ten is Somerset, which again, I think like Morrowind was a fuller expansion pack. Number 11 is Wolfhunter. Number 12 is Merkmire. Number 13 is Wrathstone. Number 14 is Elsewhere, which is that? That's the land of the um, Khajiit, correct? Yep. yep. That's that's a fuller expansion pack, too. Uh, number 15 is Scalebreaker. Number 16 is Dragonhold. 17 is Harrowstorm. 18 is Greymore, 19 is Stonethorn. 20 is Markarth, 21 is Flames of Ambition, 22 is Blackwood, 23 is Walking Flame, Uh, 24 is Deadlands, and I guess there is 25. I think the first one came with the original pack, but the most recent expansion they have is called High Isle, and I think they came out this June. So they do kind of keep things fresh by adding new expansions and new areas to really, that's what these kind of are. So all these expansions I just listed, they're essentially adding new areas that are more fleshed out. They're adding more quests. Uh, Experiences. I think for the first couple expansion packs, they released um, new character types that you could play uh, and stuff like that. Uh, And like I said, the Elder Scrolls Online takes place uh, a long time, so it really sets the tone in its own um, canon. I believe of how we how how the future games like um, Arena Daggerfall Morrowind Oblivion and Skyrim kind of sets the foundation for those. And I remember the. a lot of the trailers for the game are a lot more excited than the game itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I, well, I there's just,
0: the one where it's just like uh, a big free for all between everyone, just like trying to invade the imperial city.
1: Right, and it's yeah, it has like that cool CGI, and it's 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 got a cool you know narrative to it. But I think playing the game, my own impressions of it, it's fine, it's good, but um, hello kitty, but. I recently played uh, on PC, and it's it starts you off in Morrowind, and it starts you off in like some of the starting areas of Morrowind, and I'm like, oh, this is so cool, because I'm back here, but it just doesn't feel the same, because you can see other people like running around doing the same quests as you in the same instances, and I don't know, it, just, it feels, like I said at the beginning of the show, it feels like I'm at a theme park. I'm not really involved in it, I'm just seeing a version of it, if that makes sense. It
0: loses the lived-in feeling when there's 400 different people running around and jumping on barrels, and...
1: Like, Taking their clothes off and dancing, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not its not by any stretch of the imagination a bad game. Um, it's just, it's not a mainline series game. You know, I think it's good for the people that are really like to dive into the lore. Because again, there are entire podcasts that are dedicated specifically to the Elder Scrolls Online. And like talking about new patches and new content and stuff like that. But again, we're really not focusing so much on this one because it's not a mainline series one. But it is still important to talk about. Um, so, my general impressions of Elder Scrolls Online, it's good. It gets a fine game if you're into that sort of thing. I just think for <laughs> us, we're, you know, if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, if you, I mean, the,
0: if you swing that way.
1: If you swing that way. Um, but yeah, it's it's good. It's, it's, it's worth checking out. It is free to play, but it, there is like the. Um, you can like subscribe to it and get a bunch of stuff. But I don't know. It's just one of those games that, you know, it's interesting. The lore's cool, but it's just not really my type of game anymore. So. Yeah, and you have give me your con, uh, condensation of your fifteen minutes of experience.
0: <laughs> um, I ran around Morrowind and went into some people's house and killed them.
1: Yeah, I think I did basically. Yeah, like the
0: I, same. I, I really played it to just see Morrowind and and see what it was like. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember a lot of this stuff. Yeah. All right. See
1: ya. See you later. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's what we have right now, and that's that's kind of the. The thing that's stringing people along. I know a lot of people have been so, sort of like, mainline fans of the Elder Scrolls have been a little upset that over the last um, couple of years, a lot of the announcements have been towards more of spin offs and stuff like that. And anytime that there's a Bethesda conference or something like that, people get hyped. All right, here's Elder Scrolls 6, but it, then it's like Fallout 76, and, um, <laughs> and then it's Elder Scrolls Online. So it's, let me actually just, since I'm right here, um, let me just Google how many subscribers does eso have i'm kind of interested uh about 21 million uh, apparently so that's pretty good that's pretty good um and i know a lot of people said that they've kind of ironed out a lot of the wrinkles of the game and i think the game is ultimately pretty solid to play but again mmos are kind of a thing of the past for me but anyway uh, let's kind of close things up. I mean, I don't, unless there's anything else you need to say about Elder Scrolls Online. Yeah, I
0: think, uh, I think we're pretty much wrapping it here.
1: Sweet. Uh, only about an hour long. Nice. Wrapping um, it and crapping it. Wrapping it and crapping it. Uh, so yeah, let's just kind of go over everything. We've talked about Arena, we've talked about Daggerfall, Morrowind, Oblivion, Wild Skyrim. Oblivion, yeah. yeah. and you just sort of see this transition from this series that started off as more of a niche, another RPG right on PC, Um, Because back in the day, PC games, until, I don't know, the mid-2000s, became more and more mainstream. And once Morrowind and Oblivion hit consoles, I think it really started building more anticipation for the future of the series. And then Skyrim happened, and now it's like, you know, full-on stardom, right? And it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with The Elder Scrolls VI when it releases, you know, when I'm 84 years old. I'm really excited to see what they do with it. I'm sure they're taking their time and doing well with it. I'm sure, it's going to be buggy and everything else like that, but I'm excited about it. Um, if you could only play, here's I guess the kind of concluding question then for um, the Elder Scrolls. Where does it rank in terms of your favorite series of all time? Hmm. If you had to say top ten, top five, where would it kind of land?
0: It would. It would break top five.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's where it'd be for me. I mean, I think with these games, it's my favorite RPG series. Um, overall, um, I'd say it's probably three or four for me, um, but I could kind of be swayed maybe lower down. Uh, but if you could only play one of these series, uh, one of these games, one of the other s- Scrolls games, then why is it Arena?
0: <laughs> why is it not Arena? <laughs> um, it would be Oblivion.
1: Yeah. Why, why, why do you say Oblivion?
0: Um, For me, it's not just nostalgia that I like it. Like, I genuinely enjoy the. The aesthetic of it, um, I'm okay with the clunkiness of the combat because I just think I know it well enough. Where like, yeah, I know Skyrim's combat smoother and the magic's easier, but I'm fine with it in Oblivion. Sure. I think I I just felt like there was so much more to do in Oblivion than in Skyrim.
1: It does feel that way, and again, Oblivion there are some obviously we talked about there are some clunkiness to it, but I, I agree with that, and I would probably say Oblivion too. Um, as much as you can mod and do this stuff with Skyrim, I think there's just something very earnest about Oblivion um, and just, like, how the world feels and the interactions. I think part of it is, like, there is so much cheesiness to it, like the dialogue and stuff like that. Uh, Yeah, I
0: I think the thing is, like, I grew up with games like that, so it's, like, it's not weird to me.
1: It's like a grilled cheese.
0: Yeah, yep.
1: Oblivion is the grilled cheese of video games. Yeah. But, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you've enjoyed our sort of deep dive into these series. Um, we enjoyed doing it. We apologize that it kind of took so long, but we've, we've both had a lot going on in our lives lately. Life is uh, busy now. Life is busy now, once you get into your 30s. But uh, we appreciate you guys sticking around with us um, and checking us out and everything else like that. And I'm really excited about the next series that we're going to be doing over the next, I don't know, time. I'm not going to say when, but we're jumping finally... <laughs> the ne- next time. <laughs> the, the next time. We are finally jumping into my GOAT, my favorite franchise of all time, Castlevania um it, it's kind of fitting a bit like typically you, you kind of record uh podcasts about spooky things during spooky month but i'm, I'm guessing by the time that we actually record and post castlevania stuff up it's going to be november so hey it works it's kind yeah,
0: of a, or next year spooky month
1: Or next year spooky <laughs> month. yeah well yeah check it out june
0: 2023 <laughs>
1: uh yeah that's kind of what it's looking like wow.
0: our episodes release uh, take longer to release than games
1: yeah, we kind of do. Like, we just keep... We're, we're the Duke Nukem of Podcast. Right. Duke Nukem Forever of podcasts. Um, but anyway, we're, we're looking forward to doing that. Um, so, we yeah, that's it. That's, that's Skyrim. That's Elder Scrolls. That's everything. So, if you haven't played these games, I don't know what you've been doing. Um, please check them out. They're available on everything, including smart fridges, apparently. But anyway, uh, we appreciate you guys having along. Check us out online, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Spotify, all the other good places. So, that being said... What is your final statement? Give us something fun to to go out with today there, Jeremy.
0: Tell all of your true sons and daughters of Skyrim to listen to our podcast. Very good.
1: Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Bye. Every train in Wisconsin. Every right train
0: now. in Wisconsin,
1: yep. Do you want me to reread that? Could you hear it over me? Oh, god, I could, yeah, I can, I can tell what kind of train that is. <laughs> so let's just, let's jump back like uh, 10 15 seconds here. Ready, set. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna have to cut that out i don't i don't want to lose <laughs> i don't want to lose the i don't want to lose two of the 50 subscribers we have
0: oh no dude it's worth it
1: <sighs> i don't know it's that's bad maybe Ouch. that'll be like that'll be a bonus content bonus, kind of bonus to... feature yeah
0: Listen to Jeremy laugh for thirty-five seconds. Straight. I'm gonna
1: keep that in because that was good. But
0: <laughs> just, just, add, just like bleep it out so people know you said something horrible.
1: Yes. Okay. Maybe I'll do that. All right.